feeling. Just uh, thinking, not necessarily uh, randomly, uh, uh, but uh, maybe, uh, and not disconnected, but maybe just uh, some, some thoughts about what we know and what we feel and the order that that should be. Because sometimes we let what we feel impact what we know, or at least shadow it, shroud it, and hide it. And uh, what we've got to do is make sure our feelings are falling in line with what we know. Acts 17, 27 is a, a starting point. It doesn't really say too much about uh, either feeling or knowing. But I thought Paul uh, speaking to those on Mars Hill in Athens, the court of Areopagus, the, uh, uh, go ahead and stand and we'll, we'll read 27, 28 and, um, and know he's trying his best to reach into this uh, philosophical group uh, who love to discuss and debate and uh, uh, look at uh, things and they miss, they miss the divine. How foolish. And I think Paul writing about ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth probably had these people in mind. Let's go ahead and read 27 that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Amen. Now, he's not elevating what their poets have said, to the status of the word of the Lord. No, no, he's trying to use that as a connection to move them into what the Lord is going to provide for them. And we know when he mentioned the resurrection, they laughed. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of wonder, have you seen a resurrection before? Is that why you're laughing? Are you aware of, of what the Lord did? And, um, and you know, I, I guess they, they laughed from the standpoint of, that can't happen. That can't be. That's a, that's a legend. That's a fable. And, um, and, and certainly the Greeks and the Romans had all kinds of legends and fables. And maybe that's the category they put it in. But thank God we know, we know the power of the resurrection and what it can do in our lives. Amen. All right, you can be seated. I started thinking about feelings, and we as humans uh, are subject to uh, feelings to a great degree. A great degree, um, cold, hot. Uh, we feel those things. Our five senses um, are tuned in, uh, in a pretty amazing way uh, to be able to detect um, events and things and atmosphere and environment and so on around us um, incredibly. And um, I can't uh, get away with a whole lot at our house 
as far as um, uh, leaving, you know, something old and smelly laying around. My wife can smell. I need to hire her out to a uh, fragrance manufacturer uh, or a uh, deodorant producer because she would be able to tell um, within a, uh, a tenth of a degree that, you know, the, yeah, well, that, that one's better. No, that one doesn't make any difference. You know, she, she could be making 100000 a year doing something like that. Well, I don't know. I don't know what they pay. But anyway, you know the idea of our senses. We, and, and feeling from the standpoint of, well, for example, being tired. I feel tired. That's a common phrase that uh, we, we use. And, and mostly we use it in terms of our physical being. But it also applies to uh, our mental uh, status and then certainly our spiritual uh, as well. I feel tired. Uh, we say things like, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Um, in other words, we're not getting anywhere. We're, we're not accomplishing uh, what we want to get done. Um, I feel like I'm bogged down. You've used those phrases too, haven't you? Not accomplishing what I want to accomplish. It just feels like I'm, I'm, I'm bogged down. And then we feel inadequate, we feel insufficient, uh, we feel all kinds of things. And, um, and pretty soon it starts to affect our spiritual being, especially if we're not in the Word as faithfully as we need to be. Now, reading a scripture uh, through in a year is, uh, is a great accomplishment. My goodness, I'm still amazed. And we had over, over 20, uh, maybe 22, read the scriptures through in, in last year. That is awesome. That's, that's over half the church. That is tremendous. We thank the Lord for it. And, and we know it's not just, a, uh, not just an accomplishment, not just checking the box, you know, if you're using the bread program or whatever program you're using. Uh, it, it's, to, uh, it's to glean more uh, of the Word of God. And if you're like me, reading one translation and wanting to check back to the old King James, uh, you're and then you're making notes to yourself, and you're writing references, and you're doing all kinds of stuff. It's just, uh, it, it's meat. It's bread. Praise God. It's sustenance for us, and I'm thankful for it. But feelings will oftentimes uh, dictate uh, the results of that reading through. I thought of Psalm 23, and I came across a commentary, um, kind of a verse-by-verse -verse commentary, and I'll share it with you. Um, we know the King James says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And uh, we know through this, God will meet all of our needs. And there's no reason to worry, but we still do, because we're human. That doesn't excuse it. We need to eliminate that as much as possible, because our confidence should be in our shepherd, uh, who is going to supply all of our wants. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He'll give you rest, and you will find peace. Praise God. And uh, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. 
there's refreshing and replenishing as we walk with the Lord. And I thank God that uh, when we feel drained, when we feel tired, fatigued, exhausted, uh, maybe even distracted and so on, the Lord is able to step in and, um, and say, I'm, I can restore you. I can, I can provide for you. There's still waters that I'm going to uh, lead you to. Praise God. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's going to guide me, and he's going to help me make right decisions. Because there's lots of wrong decisions that we make, unfortunately. But he'll help me to make right decisions because he wants us to be righteous. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I'm thankful that we can trust that the Lord is going to be with us. And uh, whether it's dark or whether we're feeling fearful, whatever it might be, uh, we can rest assured he's with me. Praise God. He's going to provide for me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, sometimes as a shepherd, uh, we're thinking he's uh, clubbing and stabbing. That, that's not what this is getting at. It's saying there's protection. No enemy is going to get to you. No predator is going to be able to prowl uh, close to you and, and, uh, and damage. Thank the Lord. There's protection. There's keeping us safe. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God is going to support, and you are surrounded by him, even though you're surrounded by conflict. And I'm thankful that uh, uh, the Lord provides for us and, and protects us. Praise God. What is that song? It may, uh, may seem like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It's what our focus is on, see, is that that's what we've got to change and, and not look at uh, the conflict that might be there or the enemies that might be trying to overwhelm us, but that the Lord is there. Thou anointest my head with oil. Thank God for his favor and uh, the favor that he wants to uh, impart to us. My cup runneth over. There's more and more blessings that he wants to impart to us. And I thank God he fills us. I'm thankful that he provides for you. You know, that aspect of filling uh, is, is something that we need to remember. They were filled with the Holy Ghost um, and spoke with other tongues. They, um, I, I think about Gideon and how he uh, wrung out that fleece. And uh, it would have been cool to have a few drops uh, to show that the Lord did indeed put dew on that fleece, and, and it was dry everywhere else. But when Gideon wrung that fleece out, he filled a bowl. It filled it because God likes to fill. Amen. And he will fill your cup to overflowing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My future is secure. The Lord's not going to just leave you dangling and wondering how you're going to make it. But you will make it. Praise God. Heaven will be your home. And uh, that's your will that's got to make sure that happens. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. 
Praise God. Now, emotions are not bad. I'm not, I'm not saying feelings are bad. We, we have uh, feelings in serving the Lord. And we experience the blessings that he brings to us in love that's unlimited, joy that is unspeakable, peace that passes understanding. Um, I know those are not necessarily feelings, but um, for the most part, they, uh, they affect us, they impact us as, as feelings do. Amen. And thank God that he provides for us in that manner, in that blessing. Now, love requires commitment. You don't reach anniversary after anniversary after anniversary because you're all giddy and starry-eyed and, and uh, enjoy the candlelight dinners every night. No, it's commitment. Commitment is what takes you there. And when you look at the cross, that's commitment in capital letters. The Lord was committed to fulfill the plan of salvation at, at tremendous cost. And uh, I thank God that he made that way for us. And uh, tears are an emotional relief valve. Uh, that's how the Lord made us. Nothing to be ashamed of. But I'm thankful that's, that's not where we live. Because um, he turns our mourning into dancing. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Praise God. And as far as the harvest goes, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall come with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The harvest is sure. Amen. And thank God we can water it with our tears, so to speak, and uh, feel that burden and move into the realm of prayer and trust God that he is going to move and work. And, uh, and then know, know that he's going to bring the results. Praise God. I'm thankful that we can know God and we can know his plan for us. And um, salvation, of course, is common. We all are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We all receive the Holy Ghost after we've repented. And I thank God that there is that aspect that we move into in the realm of the new birth. And then the Word of God gives us direction on how to live in righteousness. And we strive our very best to do that because we know what the Scripture says. Amen. We know that He equips and anoints, and we're not left on our own to accomplish uh, the task. You know, okay, see what you can do. Well, I'm thankful that He's there to lead us and guide us into the harvest. He gives strength. To do all things, we, we, we look at that scripture, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I thank God that we uh, can claim that promise and know it's there, especially when we're feeling tired. We pray that prayer, Lord, you promised strength. Lord, you promised you're going to meet that need, and I'm, I'm needing it right now. And uh, we, we can pray that scripture. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm redeemed. Praise God. I'm thankful that can be nailed down, and uh, I'll do my best to maintain uh, that status, that position, that walk with God, and not feel like, oh, well, I can do whatever, live however, and it doesn't matter. No, I'm, it does matter, and I need to make right decisions. I need to make wise decisions. I need to make the best decisions. And I'm thankful that the Lord helps us to move forward in faith 
in all of those aspects so that we can know his power and his glory. There's got to be a balance between feeling and knowing. Um, you know, we, we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, by sight sometimes could uh, get pretty disturbing, especially if we look too far down the road and um, not sure how we're going to get there. But the Lord helps us and blesses us, praise God. Because living by what I feel and forgetting what I know is pretty dangerous. I've got to make sure I'm balanced between the two. And listening to my feelings while making decisions based on what I know, I think is going to bring the outcome that uh, is going to be most beneficial uh, to me so that I can uh, do what's right. Um, I think it was Brother Dylan, uh, my this would be my second pastor in, in Huna, uh, shared this little story, and I, I memorized it. And uh, it's a little story to illustrate knowing and feeling. Real simple. Fact, faith, and feeling. We're sitting on a fence. Feeling fell off and took faith with him. But fact remained and brought faith up, and that brought feeling too. So, cute little story, but I think it's true. Make sure you're based on fact in the Word of God. Amen. And thank the Lord for that, because we know the Lord is going to bring about his word. I like to look at verses uh, in the word about the word. And one of my favorites is Isaiah 55, 11. You know, the scripture talks about his word endures forever. His word's not going to pass away. And uh, all of those, that, that's what I mean by word about the word. But 55.11, the Lord declaring, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. It's, it's not going to fail. And um, Joshua assured them there hath not failed one word of what he promised. And also in Kings, uh, that phrase is there. Not one word has failed. And I thank God that we put our trust in that same word and know the assurance that the Lord wants us to have in knowing his word. I thought about uh, some uh, characters in Scripture who uh, gained assurance in what they uh, knew in spite of what they were going through and what they were facing and what they were up against. Job, for example, Job 19 and 25, um, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Praise God. And uh, I thank the Lord that uh, Job could rest in that knowledge. Now, uh, he was having a tough time, a very difficult time. And the sores on his body kept him from soaring in faith like he really wanted to. Uh, it, it, it was hard. But he uh, experienced God bringing him through the trial and blessing him uh, even more than what he had and what he lost in the trial. 
And uh, that's what the Lord does, and thank God for it. David uh, said, when I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. And um, uh, David had that assurance. David had that recognition. This is how the Lord provides for us. Um, uh, that, that passage is in 56.9 of the Psalms. And you drop down to verse 13 in that same chapter, and David is rejoicing. Thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Praise God. He experienced deliverance. He wanted more deliverance. And he wanted to continue to walk before God in the light of the living. And, uh, and we know uh, the hand of the Lord was there to provide for him, even when uh, the situation was very difficult. Can you imagine what may have been going through uh, David's mind, being anointed king and then uh, being pursued by the king, having javelins thrown at him, um, uh, the Philistines and, and all of that aspect, you know, probably uh, uh, without faith, he would throw his hands up and say, what good was that anointing? What good was Samuel's visit? But he held on, and he knew the power of the Lord. Peter um, answered the Lord when, when uh, the Lord said, will you also go away? The crowd was departing. Uh, the thousands were walking away. Um, they'd been seated in groups of 50 and so on, and now here they are walking away in those groups. The Lord asked him, will you also go away? Peter's answer, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. And um, that believing and being sure, that knowing, knowing this is who you are, Lord, and uh, we're going to walk with you, we're going to follow you, we're going to believe you. And uh, that's a surety. Peter wrote about knowledge in his second letter, chapter 1, verse 2. And um, I like the way he, uh, he emphasizes it because Peter uh, learned a lot by experience. Um, several times he opened mouth and inserted sandal, and uh, it was a, uh, a learning experience for him. But he knew by, through knowledge, um, experience of what God can do. So in verse 2 of chapter 1, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And uh, I, I like that aspect of what knowledge can do. Grace and peace being multiplied. Praise God. Not just enough to get by, not just enough to... Uh, consider I'm blessed of the Lord, but the multiplication factor that the Lord wants to bring into our experience. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Wow. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Praise God. So, uh, again, uh, we, we may read these things and, and really don't let it settle in. The meditation is not there. 
the uh, consideration is not, not there. It just, we, we read it through. We got to come back to reading uh, for, for comprehension, um, not, not just to, to, to check it and say, uh, I read today, but to understand, indeed, the knowledge of God I mean, and the gaining even more knowledge of God is, uh, is what is available to us, and uh, the results are incredible. All things that pertain unto life and godliness, glory and virtue that he has called us to, and that's his plan for us, amazing. Paul, uh, in 2 Timothy 1 and 12, uh, makes mention of... of uh, the things that he was experiencing, but yet he could rely upon what he knew also. For the which cause, he said, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Look at how uh, the, the necessary ingredients are there. We, we talked about commitment. Commitment being based on love. And uh, Paul would make that commitment. And then, because of that commitment, he would rely upon the ability of God and be persuaded and believing and knowing this is what the Lord could do. Praise God. And when we're feeling unable... When we're feeling uh, we're coming far short of where we need to be, I'm thankful that God's ability is what we can focus on. And that's what uh, Paul was saying. He is able to keep that which I have committed. And uh, the, uh, he being able is, is a good study for you to do sometime. And uh, look up all of the verses that uh, make reference to that. Ephesians 3 and 20 is one that popped into mind uh, when I was considering God being able. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And uh, that power working in us is God's plan. That's God's design. It's not something external. It's not something just uh, that all of a sudden is going to show up like a battering ram and, and slam the door open. No, it's a power that is resident within you. And God is going to use you to display that power. And that, that's the way we've got to look at it. And then, of course, claim the exceeding abundance above all that we ask or think. We can really get carried away with the thinking part of it and move it into the asking part of it. And I thank God that none of that is going to limit the Lord. Now, we got to be wise and uh, pray according to his will and um, all of those aspects that the word of God teaches us. But my goodness, take the lid off. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. Amen. Move into the realm that he desires for you. Remember Paul saying that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. And he went on. The fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Mm. 
that's kind of hard to commit to sometimes. But that's part of living for God. Paul said, I die daily. And, um, and we know he was referring to the repentance, referring to um, probably his pride. I think Paul was a prideful man. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Uh, I'm a Pharisee. Concerning the law, I'm blameless. Yeah, pretty good. It takes more than that. And, um, and that's what Paul recognized. So that was his prayer in Philippians 3.10. He wanted, he wanted that power and that blessing from the Lord. And he was not holding back from moving into uh, being made conformable unto his death and, and, and so on. By the way, uh, the three times that Paul uh, listed his troubles in 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 11. Three times there's, there's lists that he goes through uh, to the stuff that he was up against. Uh, obviously, he committed himself to the suffering and being conformable to his death. Um, he, he recognized, doesn't matter what I face, doesn't matter what I'm up against. And, and uh, the... Uh, the thorn in the flesh, you know, that he prayed three times uh, to be removed. It obviously wasn't um, just uh, um, a thorn from a devil's club when he was out wandering around in, in the bushes. It was something severe. And that's why he prayed three times, Lord, take this thorn in my flesh away. But the Lord answered, my grace is sufficient for you. And, um, and so he was able to continue on. John, in 1 John 3 and 2, uses this aspect of knowing um, as well. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. It's a mystery, Paul said. We don't know how it's going to work, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow. That, that's pretty amazing. Go through closed doors, sit down and eat bread and fish with the disciples, um, all of a sudden appear on the road to Emmaus with those couple of guys. What are you guys talking about? Are you a stranger in Jerusalem? You don't know? What's happened? What happened? <laughs> Praise God. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. No is used 31 times in 1 John. Um, he, he's adamant. This is what we know. This is what you got to know. And we know that. Praise God. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says, hereby we do know that we know him. He's not talking in circles here. He's simply emphasizing you can know. And we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That's how you know more. That's how you walk with God uh, in the fulfillment that he intends for you so that you can know his power in greater measures. Praise God. 
Now, knowing and feeling um, seemed to uh, come out to me in James' uh, writing about wisdom. James 1 and 5, uh, the promise that he makes, if any of you lack wisdom, well, that, that's certainly not a, a strange concept, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. That's as straightforward a promise as you can get. Praise God. And I thank the Lord how he is able to provide that and be blessed in it. Now, Solomon elevated wisdom uh, and personified it in, um, in his writing, the pre uh, Proverbs, but it's too bad he didn't live by his own writings. It's too bad he allowed his feelings, for women in particular, to uh, derail him. We've got to make sure we're committed. We're following through. Amen. James 3 and 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Meekness of wisdom. Huh. That sure wasn't evident on Mars Hill, was it? Intellectuals feeling so superior. What's this babbler going to say is how they looked at Paul. <laughs> how would you like to be introduced that way? Oh, here's Paul. Let's see what this babbler has to say. <laughs> no, the meekness of wisdom, uh, I think, is how the Lord personified that. And good conversation words, of course, but it's conduct. It's action. It, it's demonstrating uh, that consistently and following through. Now, here's where knowledge feelings uh, are uh, interconnected. Go to chapter uh, 314. This is wisdom that is not from God. It's not from above. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Hmm. This wisdom descendeth not from above, and didn't come from above. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. Ah, there we get the origin of that kind of wisdom. And then he goes on describing it again where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Well, we know God's not the author of confusion. So when confusion comes, it's not coming from the Lord. And it's wisdom that is not from above. Note how the negative feelings and wrongdoing are connected here with the wisdom that is not from above. And um, it, it produces the wrong results. But we go on, verse 17 and the description of wisdom that is from above, wisdom that comes from the Lord. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, 
without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know, it's interesting how uh, Scripture, and this may be um, a, a part of the, um, the way things are done in, in the East compared to our, our Western mind. You ever notice how uh, in a description the Bible uses or tells what it is not? 1 Corinthians 13, what love is not as well as what love is. And, um, and this description uh, here, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I guess the negative aspect, because of our natures, uh, is, gets our attention or gets our understanding a little bit easier um, because we tend to be negative. But the positive feelings and actions are, are definitely connected with wisdom from above. And um, I thank the Lord, and it's, it's so relational, that's what I noticed. Wisdom from above is uh, uh, developed strong uh, and positive relations. And uh, thank God we follow those and we can uh, get along a whole lot better because of wisdom from above. And again, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And uh, thank God that we can... Um, uh, focus on that and rely upon it and know how much of a beneficial aspect it is. God's presence um, is what we both feel and know. Uh, Moses said, if you don't go with us, God, we don't want to go. We're not going to go. Now, right from the beginning, they had a pillar of fire and, uh, and a pillar of cloud that... Um, uh, led them, that guided them, that assured them uh, the Lord was with them. And um, I hope we see that when we get over the other side. I'm, that just intrigues me. <laughs> How, you know, it was a beautiful sunset tonight. Um, I, I wish I had been on the road a little bit earlier. It was about 25 after 6, and I'm thinking, wow, look at the daylight. Look at this beautiful sunset. Look at how nice it is that pillar of cloud would have been changing to flame. Did it do so gradually? Did it just <laughs> change? I don't know. But it was God's presence. That's the key, God's presence. And Moses recognized, we want you to go with us. The ark, which was symbolic of the presence of God, uh, that was first to go across the Jordan. And uh, it was first in the march around Jericho. They wanted the presence of the Lord. Uh, Samson, uh, in every display of his strength, which had to be supernatural, um, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. That's how the Scripture phrases it. Praise God. You can have the Spirit of the Lord come mightily upon you. And thank God that there's that power and that blessing. When the Lord told David to wait for the sound of going in the mulberry trees, what was he waiting for? Was it just the sound of the wind? Or was it the presence of the Lord? Uh, I, I think God was wanting to let him know, I'm with you, and it's time to go. Praise God. And so they went into battle with the Philistines, and the Lord brought the victory. So uh, we know his presence, we feel his presence, 
and thank the Lord we can be um, uh, uplifted and encouraged in it because there's so much that is uh, uh, involved in all uh, that the Lord wants to provide. I, I, I really like Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We know that. Praise God. And I thank God again for the fullness that he desires to impart to us. Uh, John 16 and 24, this aspect of prayer. And the Lord challenges his disciples, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Praise God. Um, that fullness, again, is what the Lord desires. And, um, and, and it's not, you know, this verse doesn't say it's for just a special few. This verse does not designate there's only one or two that are achieved that. No, you are included in that promise. Ask. Praise God. Now, we know we qualify that asking, Lord, according to your will. Let your will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. The Lord prayed that, and we need to pray that. And thank God that um, we can see the Lord manifest his power in that way as well. The Comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Truth, uh, three consecutive chapters in the Gospel of John, they are mentioned as though the Lord is trying to hammer it home. I've got a comforter for you. The Spirit of Truth is going to come. The Holy Ghost is going to be upon you. And uh, I love the way he identifies who it is. He's not dispatching somebody else. John 14, 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. It's God's will. And we know the presence, uh, the presence rather, of the Comforter to give us peace. And uh, I thank God that we can, we can know that. Now, what we know, what we feel. I think fear definitely fills that category, doesn't it? Fear. Um, you're familiar with the aspect of phobias, claustrophobia, you know that one, arachnophobia, here's a new one, nomophobia, you know what that is, the fear of being without your phone. That's new. There was a fear of long words, but it has 35 letters, and I wouldn't be able to pronounce it, so I didn't include it. But here's a statement that I heard at minister's retreat, and I want you to consider it here. It has to do with fear. Here's the statement. We look for what we fear. What do you think? We're looking for it. 
and arachnophobia is probably, uh, you know, if you're fearful of spiders, you're going to be looking for spiders. Uh, the one about snakes, that's the one I, I would have. I, I don't like snakes. And I would be, if I'm a, in a snaky area, I would be looking for them. We look for what we fear. That's a problem with focus. We're fearful of falling, stumbling in our walk with the Lord. That's, that's our focus. We're fearful of failure. I'm not going to make it. I don't have what it takes. That's the wrong focus. Rejection. I'm always rejected. And we fear that. We've got to put our focus on our Heavenly Father. He's the one. He's the one who can help you. He's the one who can bless you. I thought about that. And, uh, and, and we know in, in Luke eleven thirteen, how much more will your heavenly father give? You earthly fathers, you know how to give good gifts. How much more will your heavenly father give? And he focuses on the Holy Spirit. Thank God that that's, that's a good focus. Luke 12 and 32 it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hmm. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 17. So, okay, my focus. My focus has to be on what he wants to give me. Not what I'm afraid of. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking being foolish. You know, go out there and go speeding down the road or doing some crazy antic because you know, I'm trying to show I'm, I'm fearless. Uh, no, I'm, I'm following through on what the promise is. Uh, Matthew 6.32, he knows you have need of the common things to live. You know, this is where he's talking about the Gentiles seek after what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, the care for tomorrow. And the Lord says, your father knows you have need of those things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things? Is that what it says? Romans, uh, Matthew 6, 33? Yeah, all these things shall be added unto you. There again, where's our focus and how much are we believing it? Okay. No fear in love. 1 John 4, 16, or 18 rather. Perfect love casts out fear. And that's his love. And we reciprocate. Because he first loved us, and uh, then we return that love. The combination and the interaction is what reduces and removes fear. Casts it out. 
overcomes it. Praise God. Because, again, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Who knows where that is? 2 Timothy 1.7. So, uh, okay, so the Lord cancels out fear and says, this one I'm going to give you three times the blessing. Praise God, power, love, sound mind. All designed to uh, mitigate this aspect of fear that can cripple us, paralyze us, cause us to lose out. But I like what the Lord said in Luke 10, 19. Behold, <laughs> we need to do that. It's not just a Middle East phrase. A term, behold, you know, like we're an angel or something. He's saying, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. What? That's what he said. Does the enemy have power? Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. But the Lord has provided power. For you to overcome the power of the enemy. Because 1 John 4 and 4 is still real. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, we've got to grab a hold of that. Not our fear. We've got to grab a hold of the promise. And what the Father is saying to us. So that we can live in that realm of blessing. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, how come I'm sick then? How come I was in a car accident? How come I, you know, one of the friends in Bible school complaining like mad, you know, how come the Lord let me have an accident? Well, it wasn't the Lord that made you have the accident. You weren't paying attention. <laughs> don't blame the Lord for everything. In fact, don't blame the devil for everything. Use what the Lord blessed you with. And then claim the promises. Amen. And thank God there's that power and there's that blessing. So if he's given us power and love and a sound mind, grab a hold of those. Amen. Power over all the power of the enemy. Love that casts out and conquers fear. A sound mind? Hmm. What about this sound mind? Well, again, the worry that we struggle with. Be careful for nothing. Uh, that, that's not admonishing carelessness or carefree living and so on. It's a don't worry. That's really hard to do. Don't worry. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the next part is beautiful. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I pray that prayer. I'm all tied in knots. I'm all messed up. I'm all concerned. I'm all worried. I don't know what the answers are. I don't know what direction to go. I don't know what to do. Lord, I need your peace that passes understanding. Lord, I need you to keep my heart. I need you to keep my mind. 
Let the power that is in Christ Jesus bring me into that realm of rest and strength. Praise God. That's how you need to pray. Pray the word. Make it yours. Apply the promise. Get that balance of knowledge and feeling. Praise God. Let the hand of the Lord be there and provide for you. Um, a healthy fear. Is there such thing as a healthy fear? Yeah. It's reverence for God. And we'll look at a few here, and I'm almost done. Deuteronomy 10 and 12. Now, Israel, what doth the Lord require of thee, the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That encapsulates the whole um, aspect of, uh, of surrender and commitment to the Lord. And then following through uh, with, with that commitment day by day. And not just a commitment service. Not just a, a particular time, but following through. Okay, in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 7.1, there's this, uh, this idea of the fear of God again. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Now, not taking a bath. We're talking about crucifying the flesh, putting it to death. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay, that's, that's the motivation. By the way, what are the promises that he's talking about here? Having, therefore, these promises. What promises? Do you remember? He said, you will be my sons and daughters. I will be your father. I will be your God. And you will be my people. Relationship. Strength in that relationship. And on the basis of those promises, this is how you commit. This is how you walk. This is how you live. Praise God. We thank the Lord for it. Now, uh, let's see here. Last point. Accuser versus advocate. Uh, advocate, we know uh, in the legal terms, is an attorney. Uh, but in scriptural terms, it's uh, intercessor. The Greek says intercessor comforter, consoler. Intercessor is probably the more uh, accepted term. Revelation 12, John saw the accuser. And he accused day and night. Doesn't let up. Rat. He continues on and on and on and on. But we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Your testimony is powerful. Amen. 
and you rehearse it to yourself when the devil comes with his accusations. Devil, I repented of my sins, and the Lord forgave me. I was baptized in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, and my sins were remitted, and God filled me with his spirit. God of the universe filled me with his spirit, and I spoke in other tongues. Devil, you're a liar. Amen. And you share that testimony with others. Praise God. And that's part of overcoming. So the devil knows he has a short time. That's, that's in that passage also. He really has a short time now. And that's why we see so many aspects of evil uh, running rampant in our society and, and, and around the world. By the way, um, did you know that Canada has a euthanasia program? I was shocked when I read that. But it's been in place for years. And thousands have used it. Euthanasia. Hmm. Amazing. Well, he knows he has a short time, and so his accusations just flow like a river. And he comes against you. You're weak. You're insufficient. You're inadequate. You're unworthy. You're guilty. You're condemned. On and on it goes. But your testimony says different. And you have an advocate. 1 John 2 and 1. My little children, John's, uh, when he wrote Revelation, he was 90 years old. And uh, I don't know how old he is when he's writing this. But he has a right to say, my little children. <laughs> These things write I unto you that you sin not. That's, that's knowledge. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There's that that intercessor, that consoler, that comforter. Praise God. And we'll focus on intercession uh, for this, this purpose here tonight. Because I remind you in Romans 8, twice the Spirit maketh intercession. And then later on in the chapter, Christ maketh intercession. Three times making intercession is mentioned. That's what the Lord does for us. And um, Hebrews 7 and 25, the intercession is there, but his ability also. He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Praise God. Now, does that mean the Lord is on his knees, his eyes closed, and he's uh, calling out to the Father? No. It means what he did 
while he was on this earth as a constant mediator of what he provided for us and how he made the way. One mediator between God and man, man Christ Jesus, and thank God that, that mediation is still going on. He's still working it. He's still providing it. Praise God. And so that's what I claim. That's what I rely upon. Amen. When Peter was making his comments and the Lord said, Satan hath desired you, Simon. He said it twice. Simon, Simon. Try to get his attention, I guess. Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. The, the devil has power. But the Lord said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Thank the Lord. I'm thankful that when we come to pray, let's stand. When we come in prayer, when we're reaching out to the Lord in prayer, he meets us in that place of prayer as both the answer and the advocate. Because um, he knows. He knows the need that we have for knowing and for feeling. And not to lose the balance. Not to shift one over the other. But to move into the realm of that blessing. That strength that we have in the Lord. Praise God. Why don't we step uh, forward here for just a few minutes and we're going to ask the Lord to help us. And uh, um, go ahead and come and play, if you would. <clears throat> I thought about um, some old, old choruses that um, we used to sing when I uh, first started going to church in Huna, just a young teenager. But we sang about being shut in with God in a secret place. And there in the spirit, beholding his face, gaining more power to run in this race. I long to be shut in with God. Praise God. Those are precious times, aren't they? They're special times. Um, I, I was praying last night getting this message together and um, and the Lord just came in that room and the tears started to flow and the thankfulness welled up within my heart there was I, I wasn't praying for anything uh, in particular I didn't feel a burden for anything in particular I was just the presence of God his sweet presence Praise God. The sanctuary that he wants us to be. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Praise God. And um, that's what he desires. That's the time he wants with us. That's the relationship that we're to build on. Praise God. We know it. We feel it. 
and we've committed to it. Why don't we just give him thanks right now?